would you look at that? It's time to hop on a uh, an X-wing, a fighter jet, fighter pilot, whatever device it is that you'd like to fly in the galaxies. Hop on it. Join me. We're heading to Star Wars. We're going to a galaxy far, far away. And um, I mean, I don't know, even if it's a TIE fighter, like whatever, you know what I mean? Hop in Padme's ship. Get out of Naboo. Let's freaking go. Okay. Today I'm getting into, I'm your host, Sarah. This is Curiosity Killed the Cat. And today, Star Wars. Okay. Getting into Master and Apprentice, the novel, and a little bit of the novelization of Phantom Menace. I kind of want to talk about Master and Apprentice kind of going into Phantom Menace. Um, there were not, there, there wasn't too many differences in the um, Phantom Menace book, like compared to the movie. Um, I want to say like Darth Maul was a little bit different, but um, there are just like a couple little highlights from that audiobook that I'd like to share. But first, let's get into Master and Apprentice. That is the Obi-Wan Kenobi, Kaigon Jin, Kaigon Jin, and Count Dooku, um, Master, Jedi Master, Padawan, uh, relationship-centric novel, okay? Um, it's written by Claudia Gray. Um, I have not finished, uh, The Light of the Jedi. I've gotten into it a few times, but I just still haven't finished it. Um, I know she's written that one. Um, wait, no, did she, Claudia Gray do that one or did Charles Soule? You know what? I can't remember. I'm going to stop there. But anyways, um, Master and Apprentice. I've been in a little bit of a, uh, dry spell when it comes to, uh, reading new books. I've been able to do rereading of, uh, books I've read over and over, no problem. But when it comes to retaining and sticking through a new book, it's been a little bit of a challenge and somehow by the grace of the galaxy, Master and Apprentice is, uh, has been the one to bring me out of it. So for that, I am very grateful. And anytime I can get some Kaigon Jin content, I'm going to take it. Okay. Um, I hope to see some new Kaigon Jin content, content, um, maybe some Force Ghost. Uh, what is it like the world away from worlds. There's like some cool thing that like Yoda told Obi to train and do at the end of Revenge of the Sith. He was like, your training is not yet done. Like you can still talk to freaking Kaigon and take some lessons, uh, when you're off in your seclusion on Tatooine watching over Luke. So long story short, uh, we kick off Master and Apprentice and we have Obi-Wan Kenobi as a young Padawan and uh, Kaigon is the Jedi Master. When Kaigon was younger, when he was a Padawan, somehow he got paired with Count Dooku of all fucking people. And it's kind of rad and it's really interesting. And the book gets into prophecies. And uh, for the most part, Kaigon and um, Obi-Wan are on a planet together where there's this young... Uh, child queen that they're kind of dealing with and uh they have um dealings with another jedi that was a former padawan of count dooku's as well um someone that uh kaigon knew when he was younger training under dooku his name's rail avaros and i just was sketched out about this guy the 
whole effing book. It wasn't until we get to the very, very end when one of the most iconic lines in Star Wars was like spoken in this book. I fucking loved it. So yeah, that guy went from me being like, there's just no way this guy, he just, there's just no way. Like I could see a Jedi losing his way, but this guy has got to be working with Dooku already. Dooku's been gone in this timeline. You know, I just, it's fishy. Rail Avaros, I, I, I don't know, dude. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And alas, he was a good guy. And like I said, the, the line that he spoke at the very fucking tail end of this book was beautiful. So anyways, uh, we get Kaigon, we get Obi-Wan, um, and they are just like oil and water. They don't get along. They're complete kind of opposites. We already know that in, um, Phantom Menace, we see that they are, uh, totally two different characters, you know, uh, they approach things differently, but they're very in sync with each other and they have a very symbiotic relationship. Um, and, uh, that's very clear. They're in step with each other. Right. Um, but very different. Um, here they have not like made that connection yet. They have not figured out how to dance with each other, how to read off of each other. It's this push and pull and little annoyances. And again, when you have a young Padawan, it's just a, it's a kid, right? You know, sometimes kids can be annoying. Uh, so it was interesting to see that Obi-Wan, uh, you know, was no exception, <laughs> no exception to this rule. And he was absolutely, I think my Naboo music here in the background is a little too wild. Um, but yeah, him and, um, Kaigon, dude, it's a fucking roller coaster throughout this whole book, not just the beginning. They don't just magically sync up together and like become a cohesive unit. It is this up and down, up and down the entire book. And it's like, whoa, I was not expecting this. I thought this was going to be more Dooku, Kaigon. No, Obi and Kaigon are the center stage. Uh, again, their dealings with this, um, planet, what is it called? Pajal, 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 something like that. Uh, they're dealing with this, the, they're dealing with this little queen, that real Avaros, Kaigon's, uh, you know, Jedi friend has been protecting for a long time. And it seems like this planet has kind of, um, I don't know, sort of decayed a little bit. We've got this treaty that needs to be dealt with, blah, blah, blah. A little bit of a kind of like a mirroring of what Padme and Naboo and all of that that like they have to go through in Phantom Menace. This is kind of like a little bit of a you can see why Obi Wan has not always been uh, super trustworthy of politicians and queens uh, because this first one was a bit of a handful. She was a bit of a handful, and I can't even remember her name right now. I don't even want to, but. Uh, what stood out is, is that, um, you know, as we, we see them in training, we see Kaigon having, um, doubts and questions about becoming, uh, you know, taking on a Padawan, wondering why he got paid, paired up with, um, Obi-Wan trying to figure out, you know, is it possible to get a new master for this kid? What can he do without being an absolute dick about it, right? Um, and that's good, right? You know, he's concerned. He doesn't want to abandon this 
young kid that he took on to train and and show the ways of the force. It's a very big deal, and it weighs very heavily on him throughout the whole novel. Um, So we get to this point where the Jedi Council, Windu, Yoda, all of them, um, they come to Kaigon and say, you know, we, 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 we nominate you to be on the council, uh, come join us, think over it, whatever, right? And Kaigon, again, does that. And he does that in his own Kaigon Jin time. And he really thinks over what it means to join the Jedi Council and what it means for Obi-Wan if he does. Um, it means that, yes, Obi-Wan will get a new master and will no longer be his Padawan. He gets out of that kind of relationship without being, again, a total dick about it. But as soon as he's presented with this opportunity to get out, um, he's clouded by, uh, clouded by doubt and uh, not sure if this is what he truly wants to do. And, you know, that's where I think they start to come together a little bit, even though they're still super separate because we get that adolescent um, kind of pain uh, that you would get as a young person. Like Obi-Wan is uh, justified in being hurt by this, right? He knows at some point that Kaigon gets nominated. Kaigon hasn't really told him yet. And it's just a really interesting dynamic and Obi-Wan just always does his best to be a good boy and to, like, not, like, rock the boat. And um, eventually he does. When they get to this uh, this planet and they're dealing with this queen and they realize um, that their Jedi friend wasn't, like, the uh, bad seed in this, this government or whatever. It was the queen. Um, I think she, like, straight up pulls a lightsaber out on him. Uh, I can't really remember super clearly. But, um, at one point, uh, Obi-Wan has to sort of, like, pull the brakes, freaking, you know, page, send a, send a beeper memo out to the Jedi Council to say, like, you know, Quinlan and Rail and this sort of whatever established government here is kind of clouded and they're going in separate ways, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And um, I think they give Obi-Wan, like, the power to make judgments while they're there. Um, again, I hope I'm remembering this correctly or I retain this correctly. Um, but it's just interesting. It, like, almost made me think of, like, Omega. Like, this, like, little move Omega would make or a move that, like, Ezra from Rebels would make. Um, it was kind of uh, very Obi-Wan, very diplomatic, but sneaky at the same time and kind of cheeky. So anyways, uh, their dynamic was just fucking wild. And, um, yeah, I just thought it would be good to do Master and Apprentice before I got into the novelization of the prequel series. And, uh, yeah, let me get into Phantom Menace. Okay. So before I break into, uh, Phantom Menace territory, uh, a few more little thoughts on Master and Apprentice and just the ideology that goes into pairing a Padawan to a Master, Jedi Knight, whatever. Um, you know, on, on the outside, it looks like, oh, you would, you know, pair up, you know, a, 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 a contrast, right? A, a, you know, 
you look at Kaigon, you've got this kind of hippy dippy uh esque um taking you know people in the broken things in as obi-wan uh internalizes a few times uh you have you know kaigon like that and then you have obi who's a little bit more orderly a little more fashionable uh and presentable um in his ways uh civilized i guess if you will um and then you look at anakin and and obi-wan and uh you know before Obi and Anakin were paired together, that only happened because Kaigon died and the, Je the Jedi Council decided, you know, that Anakin could indeed be trained and Obi-Wan would be the one to do it, even though Anakin was too old and Obi was too young. Um, still, they did it. <laughs> they did it for as long as they could up until Order 66. And... um you see that contrast in between Anakin and Obi-Wan. Uh, you know, we all know Anakin is feisty and fiery, but at the end of the day, he's loyal and he used to have a really sharp sense of judgment um, about him before he was clouded by the dark side. Um, so going all the way to Kaigon and Dooku, uh, I couldn't imagine to like a wilder fucking placement right like what dooku and kaigon yes it makes sense because then you got dooku yoda blah 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 right and the chain goes on and on and on uh but kaigon and dooku again just like whoa you've got this you know christopher lee romantic uh dark gothic vampire dracula-esque uh character right rich in his robes and 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 his chambers and the way Kaigon describes sitting in Dooku's uh room or Jedi chambers or whatever the hell it's called his 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 uh his his room at the Jedi temple um he used to hang out in it and Dooku would let him you know while he was attending to other matters and um it was kind of cool but uh yeah and then you've got little Kaigon who's just this little hippie Jedi er, hippie Jedi right so um, you've got these, you know, from what we could see, these six to eight interesting pairings, right, of, of Padawan to Master. But at some point, uh, it's explained that, uh, Obi-Wan used to be a little bit of a firecracker, a little bit of a rule breaker, feisty individual when he was a youngling, right? When he was a little, little Jedi youngling, that was the deal. And so the Jedi Council looks at a kind of rule breaker, think outside the box, a little bit of a hippy dippy, you know, motorcycle riding through the desert kind of a guy like Kaigon and goes, we'll pair Obi-Wan with him because young people will tend to want to do the opposite of the person teaching training them right <laughs> so it's like this double backwards like way of thinking i don't know it's wild and so what happens is is that obi became more regimented and rule oriented and just like a stickler for the jedi way and you had kaigon who was like you know not quite that he is obviously um 
He's a great Jedi, and he was great enough to be asked to come onto the Jedi Council. But, like, you know, the way that they made Obi-Wan get that fire, you know, that feisty rule-breakingness out of him was by giving him a fucking Jedi Master that was like that. And in turn, Obi acted the opposite. It's just fucking crazy. It's just crazy. So, whatever. Um, Didn't quite uh, work out with... Uh, Anakin that way I don't think but um I just found that just wildly fascinating and um uh the real Avaros character who was the Padawan to Dooku before again like I mentioned uh presented quite a dilemma for me mentally throughout this whole book I just kept not figuring out if he was going to be on the dark side good side if he had been in communication with Dooku this whole time? Is he part of the separatist? Is he trying to manipulate this government because the queen is so young? Uh, you know, what was the deal? And by the time we get to the end of the book and everything gets, you know, rectified and Obi, you know, had contacted the Jedi Council and was, you know, pulling all the strings to make, make sure everything, you know, went okay. Uh, you know, um, Kaigon and Rail are in a ship heading off to Coruscant um and they get uh rail gets a transmission hologram thing from Dooku and um I just like see this in the Clone Wars aesthetic not so much like live action and Dooku says like you know it's time come join me blah 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 you know be one with me and the Separatists basically saying come to the fucking dark side if you will leave the Jedi Order as I have done and um rail Avaros fucking tells him you know as a jedi you know people of the force we don't join the light in hopes of like a reward like like you know just because we chose the light it's not out of this grand promise we choose the light because it's the light i'm like tattoo that on my forehead okay kendall fucking roy style okay like, we choose the light because it's the fucking light. And he just zapped it off. He just like, bye. Goodbye. Oh, dropped the call. Sorry, my service provider does not have any bars out here. Goodbye, Dooku. Good day. We'll see you in fucking Attack of the Clones. Goodbye. Okay? So, Honestly, that's all I have to say about Master and Apprentice. Um, I'm sure a few things will pop up uh, coming down the line here. But, um, you know, for the most part, the biggest standout to me was the contrast of Obi-Wan to Kaigon. Um, you know, it was a bummer for Obi-Wan for a while in this book because he knew somehow secondhand knowledge, whatever, that Kaigon had gotten chosen for the council, but hadn't been ch hadn't been told by Kaigon yet, and um, you know, so he kind of felt cast aside without being told he was being cast aside, and then when we see in the Phantom Menace when Anakin shows up and Kaigon presents him to the Jedi Council, and the Jedi Council says, you know, he's too clouded, he's too old, we can't train him. And fucking Kaigon says says I I will I will train the boy I will do it, 
And Obi looks over at him in the movie, and it's the same thing in the book, uh, but it's deeper in the book. They get into his his psyche a little bit more, like they do in A Master and Apprentice. Um, and he just, like, looks over at Kaigon, and in the, the, the movie, you know, he kind of gets it. That's the, you know, the energy we get. But in the book, they get into it a little bit deeper, and, like, reading Master and Apprentice and then watching Phantom Menace, it was like, it was kind of like a double sting. You know what I mean? Like he'd been through this before. He almost like had Kaigon sort of not give up on him, but move on from him. You know what I mean? He's just, he's a child. How else, how else would he view it or look at it? Right. Um, and then it happens again in Phantom Menace with Anakin and, and, you know, he explains my, 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 you know, the Jedi Council is like, uh, you cannot have two apprentices. And he says, you know, Obi-Wan is, is old enough. He's ready to, to do the trials and move on, blah, blah, blah. And it still just stings. You could still feel the sting a little bit. And like, I feel, I feel for Obi-Wan. I feel for him right there. And, um, you know, when, <laughs> <sighs> when you get to the duel of the fates and you get to the end of Kaigon and Kaigon's last words is basically like, please train the boy. And Obi-Wan is like, I will like, it's his dying wish. He's going to do this for his master. But again, it's like the last thing he says to him revolves around Anakin. And, um, it's fucking heavy. It's pretty heavy for fake space people. Um, anyways, so, uh, like I said, the novelization of Phantom Menace wasn't um, too, too different from the book. It gets a little more in-depth in parts. Um, one of my absolute favorite things that the Phantom Menace gets into is just the cuteness of little Padme and little Anakin. Um, and Kaigon, he's so sweet with Padme when he thinks, you know, like he, he thinks that she's the handmaiden, like handmade at first. And then he realizes, like, I think he catches on at some point that she's very much the fucking queen. And Obi-Wan is back on the ship with the decoy. Okay. Like he figures that shit out, but, um, it's really cute. Her Anakin and Padme, you know, I know she's a teensy bit older than him and people always make like babysitter jokes at the very fucking tamest about these two and it's like if anything this book drove home that these were just two little kids that met when they were kids and then they met again when they were grown-ups you know when you meet again when you guys are all grown up woo she's like Anakin and he's like Padme and I'm in the middle of Attack of the Clones right now and I'm not gonna get into it but like whoo it's a lot but that's Attack of the Clones you know Phantom Menace uh, resigns itself to showing that established friendship that they have as kids, um, with his mom around, with Kaigon around, with Jar Jar around. Um, it's this beautiful, safe space and safe place. And, um, it's, it, I don't know. It's just really nice. And, um, yeah, I like Kaigon's, uh, dynamic with Padme. It's really cute. And, uh, by the time we get to the end, I think the only thing that's a little bit different is in, um, when they're fighting Darth Maul, I don't think Obi slices him in half, like in the movie. 
I think it like describes him like piercing it into him. Mm-hmm. Uh anyways, whatever. Uh but that being said, I would have to say that Master and Apprentice is the perfect book for anybody who wants to like hasn't dived into any of the the Star Wars novels and you want some of those main kind of characters, right? Like the, you know, the the A class here, whatever, the varsity team. Uh you've got Anakin, you've got Padme, you've got uh a little you've got fucking <gasps> Sheev Palpatine of Naboo coming in hot. If you are a Palpatine fan, you gotta fucking do the novelization of Phantom Menace. It gets into uh him being um uh just a senator and uh rising to supreme chancellor they do that in the movie but in the book it's done really really well and you can tell that there's been this itch to get padme out of the way for quite some time quite some time so um yeah so yeah i'm um i am a i am a palpatine gal through and through since I was a kid I was always like who the fuck is this weird guy with the neck and the face and the eyes and the hood like who is Darth Vader answering to like what who what and then it's like 2000 rolls around I'm 13 I'm seeing this movie with like this little kid with a bowl cut uh Ewan McGregor's in it, and he's got a, you know, a little rat's tail braid thing. I don't know what's going on. Natalie Portman is in, like, these crazy costumes, and I'm just like, what the fuck is this, right? Like, what, what is this? And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's this, like, little British fucking redhead fucking graying dude in these elaborate, like, puffy fucking sleeved, like, beautiful textured, like, outfits, right? Just like chirping in Padme's ear, right? Just like coming out of the fucking shadows in every every few scenes, right? Hooded figure talking to Darth Maul. That's the same person. The ginger. I think, you know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it right now. I think a young Sheev Palpatine is a very, 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 very handsome man. I was going to say young man. I don't think he's very young in Phantom Menace. But like I said, I don't believe in his ideology. But he always intrigued me. Again, since the original trilogies. He's an intriguing character. When fucking he shows up in Rise of Skywalker, somehow returning, I'm all for it. I do a little dance. Every time Poe Dameron is like, somehow Palpatine returns. I try to do a backflip. I just like, I'm ecstatic. He's back. He's here. And Phantom Menace is just the little, the little dewdrops, right? The little, the little beads, right? That we're sewing into the discourse of the galaxy, right? So he could be Supreme Chancellor. The Emperor. The Galactic Emperor. Of the Empire. That guy. So seeing him in Phantom Menace and reading about him in Phantom Menace is ridiculously intriguing. Um, I 
can't wait to get into some more of the Darth Plagueis, Plagueis, whatever the hell his name is. Whoever fucking Palpatine killed in his sleep, that guy with the giant head. Um, can't wait to get into more of that ironic fucking story. Uh, I just, for a villain in an epic franchise, one of the biggest franchises of all time, regardless of how you feel about how the storylines have panned out, Palpatine, Emperor Palpatine, Chief Palpatine of Naboo, Senator Palpatine, Supreme Chancellor Palpatine is an insidious character, an intriguing, uh, he strokes your curiosity. Uh, Why? Why did he, how did he end up like this what what was his family life like what was he like as a child what were his parents like what was he like as a husband and father clearly not a good one he was so fucking fucked up that like his kid and his wife had to freaking drop their daughter off on Jakku so that way dead Palpatine wouldn't find her but somehow he did somehow he did um I just love it. I just love this lore. I love Star Wars. Um, you could make any weird little thread make sense if you if you close your eyes and squint hard enough, you know, and get like that blurry vision. You can kind of make anything sort of work in the Star Wars universe. And that's what I try to do. Uh, you know, so much of it doesn't make sense. I have to take what I can and make it make sense. So Anyways, um, and when I say doesn't make sense, I just mean doesn't make sense to me. And I'm slowly but surely piecing it all together step by step, day by day, like the sitcom from the 90s. Um, yeah, so one animated show at a time, one book at a time, audio book at a time, film, whatever. Um, I'm getting there. I'm getting there slowly but surely. So with that being said... Um, I don't really have any more points to make or any more highlights from the books. That's kind of like what stood out to me and what I kind of wanted to get into here. And so uh, with that being said, hopefully um, the next Star Wars episode will be Attack of the Clones. Um, My sister and I just watched Phantom Menace the other day with my kids. She hadn't seen it in quite some time. And um, yeah, she was like, this is a wild movie, but, uh, again, in, you know, 2000, 1999, whenever it came out, uh, you know, we all saw it as a family. I was 13, she was 10, so it was kind of cool to watch it together again and, uh, just let it be the ride that it is, you know? We go from, we go from Padme to Sabe to Annie to Shmi Skywalker to, you know, Medichlorian Counts. Ah, like, I want to know what mine are. They're probably low. You know what? I'm not going to doubt myself. I bet I have a high midi-chlorine count, and I bet you have a high midi-chlorine count, chlorine count as well. Um, I hope you do. I'm going to stop recording now. I'm going to let y'all go. And, um, yeah, probably we'll have a succession episode up next. Uh, like I keep saying, we've got Godfather up around the horizon, and and yes, so uh, Godfather Part 3 coming up. Got a recap of Godfather and 1 coming up as well. Um, and uh, plenty of Star Wars stuff coming out. We got Book of Boba Fett coming out. And I've been meaning to uh, 
get into one of the original trilogy movies. So keep an eye out, keep an ear out. Um, and Star Wars Friends, if you are uh, a, a fan of any of the animated series, Rebels, Clone Wars 2D, the Filoni Clone Wars, etc., etc., please check out my other podcast, Hello There. It's available on Anchor FM and Spotify, just like this one. So have a safe week, stay curious, and thank you again for joining me on this strange, wonderful, curious little journey we have going on here. Goodbye. Hello, this is future Sarah coming in from the very end of this episode, realizing I did not talk about the prophecies for a single second in this episode. So I'm going to do that real freaking quick. Uh, the thing that Count Dooku uh, is really adamant about teaching Kaigon is uh, prophecies. Learn all about him. Figure out the holocrons. Uh, do all of it, okay? The chosen one. All of this shit, you know, somebody's going to rise and, 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 and act out against the Jedi Council, whatever, you know what I mean? Whatever the fine details are, this Harry Potter, Order of the Phoenix shit, that's where we're at with this. And um, then we get Obi kind of being like, I don't really like believe in this shit. And then it's just this back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And I think what it's meant to do is tie in Anakin to all of this uh, previous prequel lore. So, you know, uh, I'm sure you could go on YouTube and find people that can like get into this a lot deeper and a little more articulately than like I am right now. So please go ahead and do that. But yeah, I just did not want to tap out of this episode without bringing up the word prophecy. Thanks.